now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Michael Edgley and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely We're joined by Michael Edgley, who is still in guitar, loving life generally, and William Van Denderen back from guitar, but very much still in World Cup mood. And in this edition of Stoppage Time, we're still in World Cup mood ourselves. We're going to look part, look back on the last uh, week of the World Cup, looking at the good, the bad, and maybe some of the indifferent too. So uh, thanks, gents, for, for joining me. It is good to have a couple of sage uh, contributors to this. Uh, um, Rob and I have been doing our best to uh, keep things uh, interesting and knowledgeable during this time, but having two people uh, who have been seeing it firsthand in Qatar is certainly, I think, going to up the quality of the analysis in this show. So the first question uh, that we have is the World Cup Classic match. So this is a match that's taken place over the last week that we think could go down in the the history, the pantheon of those classic games that will be replayed again and again. And Michael, you have been to quite a few games in the past week, enjoying time away from being host to just being a fan. What have you come up with? Oh, for me, it was definitely, um, I had the privilege of being at Morocco versus Portugal um, and just enthralled by the uh, absolute passion and um, ferociousness of the Moroccan fans, all in very good spirit, I might add. And despite uh, Portugal piling on the pressure, it was last man standing for Morocco and they were able to keep um, the Portuguese out from scoring the equaliser, which got them through to the semi-final. Uh, I saw um, some incredible scenes post-match by Moroccan fans just in absolute uh, you know, bundles of tears and, and, and joy. It was, uh, it was the whole package. It was the jeopardy and drama of a team clinging onto a 1-0 win, um, uh, just defending like all, uh, like, a, like their lives depended on it and getting the odd uh, chance uh, on, a, on a break. Um, and then it was just the, the passion in the, in the grandstands by a group of supporters who were witnessing history before their rise and just lapping it up. Um, uh, North African football is uh, is very passionate. Uh, we've seen some tremendous scenes from um, derbies between the likes of Morocco and Tunisia and Algeria over the over the journey. But um, to be in the stands, Derek, and just experience uh, what it meant to those Moroccans, some of them, um, you know, are not the easiest country to live in and, and work and uh, make your way in life. And uh, you can see football... It's just uh, absolutely paramount uh, and front and centre in their lives. And, uh, and it was a real privilege to, to see uh, Morocco get through uh, that quarterfinal. And uh, that, for me, just for the emotion and passion of uh, that experience, that was the game of the last week for me. Well, and that's going to be pretty tough to follow up. Have you, have you got something else here for the classic match? I do. I get the feeling that in terms of which game will endure the longest in the memory going forward, I think it'll probably be Netherlands-Argentina. But the game that I've enjoyed the most over the past week was probably Croatia-Brazil. thought it was a nice game of clearly defined sort of opposing styles. Brazil um, with the, the sort of raft of individual talent looking for sort of attacking combinations. Didn't get there until late. Uh, and then Croatia, the sort of uh, stereotypes that have been spoken about uh, so frequently, but they really are sort of all in, resolute, and getting the absolute maximum out of themselves. It's probably a, a defensive slant. And the goals didn't come until late, but when they did come, I thought they, they reflected those styles. Uh, Neymar, 
you won't get too many fans of him on, on this program, but I thought what he did, considering there hadn't been a goal for 105 minutes, to look up and see the full field of players uh, in a phone box and go, right, I'm going to pick this apart. One, two, one, two, round the goalkeeper and in. Uh, was magnificent. That was a goal worthy of winning the game. Uh, and then Croatia scored in probably pretty un, unfashionable circumstances there. One shot on goal. Petkovic was good when he came on, the big man. Uh, and poor old Marquinhos didn't put a foot wrong for 117 minutes, uh, but then deflected the goal past his keeper and then shogged the penalty. So that, for mine, Derek, was uh, was the match I've enjoyed the most over the past week. I know you guys were picking over the bones of the England-France game as well. And just uh, for my two cents, I mean, this could easily be a classic match too. I mean, it, it uh, had everything you wanted, really. It had two excellent teams in the sense of, you know, really going toe-to-toe with each other, uh, trading blows. And when uh, Harry Kane was sat over that second penalty, you thought that England were going to trade that blow again and get it to all and we'd be all set up for a frantic finish, possibly extra time and and penalties. But but we all know what happened, not the first time that a England captain is shanked a ball uh, over the bar. Uh, good to see Olivier Giroud get on the score sheet, uh, our love for him, uh, mine and Age's love for him, will, all, will never diminish. I don't think, and he, I think, was much maligned in the uh, in the World Cup uh, in 2018, where France went all the way. But Giroud, I don't think, got on the score sheet four years ago at 32. But at 36, he is uh, very much one of the main men uh, up front and sharing the uh, the limelight with uh, Kylian Mbappe. So. For me, that could also have been a classic match too. But I think because we're in this kind of pointy end of the uh, of the of the uh, of the tournament now, they're all pretty good, I think, gents. So um, going on to the transfer alert category. So this is the category we came up with a few weeks ago, where we would we would put forward different players that we'd seen that might be catching the attention of the Premier League scouts, the the European scouts from. Uh, around around football, uh, I think we had uh, Akpo the last time from Gakpo from from the Netherlands, who uh, is uh, is definitely still uh, was keeping things uh, pretty good until the Dutch went out. But I'm just wondering, Edge, you've seen a lot of players come come through Qatar. Is there anyone that Arsenal should have on their shopping list for uh, for January? Well, a player that is absolutely. Um, taking the uh, the world by storm is Azadine Awani from Morocco. He, the number eight, he just absolutely is uh, a player to behold. He's running the show in there. He's picking up the ball deep, taking on players, uh, retaining possession. He he was uh, fabulous in the match against Portugal. But uh, I think we should maybe not look so uh, far away than our, and our, than our home shores. Harry Suta, surely he's in for a big uh, transfer move in January. He, he is absolutely um, enhanced his reputation uh, tenfold with uh, performances for the Socceroos and I'd expect he'd get a big money transfer into the Premier League, wouldn't you, Derek? Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, most Premier League teams are in the market for a, a big, strong centre-back and I think he did his... Uh, credentials, no, no harm at all. He's already based out of the UK, so I wouldn't be surprised if there are um, uh, some some potential uh, Premier League teams looking at him. Possibly other Championship rivals. Uh, not sure how slow could going this season, but I think it, they're kind of middling. Um, possibly even around Europe as well. If someone's looking for a big, strong centre back, then he could be 
the guy. Uh, Willem, did you have anyone for, for the transfer alert? Yeah, I think I've got a couple of guys who have stepped into pretty significant shoes and have filled them. Uh, looking through the, the Croatian side that made the 2018 final to now, uh, the goalkeeper, Daniel Subasic, was a, a bit of a legend. He was brilliant at the last World Cup, and you would have thought that that was a hole uh, where they might have struggled. But Dominic Lovakovic, a player who I'll admit I didn't know anything about prior to the tournament, uh, has been exceptional. He saved three penalties against Japan. Uh, now, whether he saved those penalties or the ball was kicked into him uh, is debatable. I wasn't quite sold after that performance, but then the way he rolled out against Brazil uh, proved that it was was no fluke. So he's only 27. He's played at Dinamo Zagreb, and from uh, uh, more learned minds than myself, it's becoming public knowledge that he's outstanding there. This isn't just a, a, a Guillermo Ochoa of Mexico sort of uh, set up where he spends four years sort of not doing a whole heap and then comes good when he puts on the national team kit. So I definitely think uh, Lovakovic uh, is one who at 27, he's, he's a baby for a goalkeeper all ahead of him. Uh, and Ed, I thought you'd throw up Conchalo Ramos of Portugal. You saw the uh, the young man make a name for himself live in uh, the round of 16 clash against Switzerland where he filled in for just about the biggest shoes going around, Cristiano Ronaldo, and had people asking Cristiano who as he scored a, a magnificent, varied uh, hat-trick. Well, that game, um, Portugal just absolutely dismantled Switzerland, who I thought would put up a better fight, but they just went route one. They grabbed the ball and ran at defenders and um, uh, just went past defenders. And Ramos scored three beautiful goals and uh, looked the world beater. But then uh, five days, four days later, five days later against uh, Morocco, he didn't touch the ball and was uh, was dragged. So, yes, um, as they say in the classics, well, I'm a week's a long time in football. And that Portuguese team looked completely different against Morocco than they did against Switzerland. It was just uh, one of those anomalies of World Cup football. You just never know what you're going to get. Some players that came across uh, my radar too. I, I, actually, Edge, I had Azadine Unahi as well. For He plays for Angers in uh, France, so surely uh, there is a myriad of teams that would uh, be able to uh, come in and take him away from, from them. I also quite like the look of his midfield partner, Sofiane Amrabat, as well. He's currently at Fiorentina, and as we speak, there are a few um, websites and newspapers linking him with Liverpool. So, Rob, if you're interested, uh, you could be getting a Sofiane Amrabat coming to uh, strengthen that Liverpool midfield. They say, they're saying that he has three lungs uh, just to <laughs> drive, that, drive that engine in the... Uh, in the middle of the park and um, wanted to call out Bakayo Saka, a player that, of course, that I did know about before the tournament, but uh, I think he's had a, a fabulous tournament, been one of England's standout players. And Edge, I wonder um, with Arsenal, obviously we left the season uh, to come to this World Cup with Arsenal on top, on top of the league, um, but obviously it's going to be tough for us to keep long-term, going to be tough to keep hold of Bakayo Saka if we can't, deliver the kind of success that he'll probably want in his career eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's probably right. But he is enhanced. His, he's probably the only English player to enhance his reputation during the World Cup. He really did take on the mantle and uh, carry uh, the England performances, at least through the group stage. Um, but uh, look, let's just... I know we sort of picked out a few young ones, but let's just uh, dip our lids to some of the old boys. Um uh, you mentioned Olivier Giroud, who has just been incredible leading the line for France. But what about um, the little man from Croatia, Luka Modric, who was monumental against Brazil? He was 
unbelievable. And he just has the ability. He's a small man. Um, he's got a low center of gravity. He's superbly skilled. But, gee, he's the heart and soul of that team. And you can see him pulling the strings uh, in all parts of the, the field. And I've just got a serious amount of love for him and uh, really looking forward to seeing uh, his performance against Argentina because it'll be Modric and Messi going head-to-head, no doubt. What about another old man uh, as well, Cristiano Ronaldo? Is, is there going to be much transfer alerts for, for him? It doesn't seem like anyone wants him anymore. Cristiano, is his legacy being trashed with the way he's been behaving at Manchester United and then, you know, um, the sort of murmurings coming out of the Portuguese camp when I thought the coach made the right move on pulling the trigger on him uh, to not start in Switzerland. Um, I just think he's trashing his legacy. Um, I, I, it was my daughters who were sitting next to me couldn't believe that he just trounced off the ground after, you know, which was obviously going to be his last match for Portugal, you would think. Um, but not to acknowledge his fans or um, teammates. Um, yeah, I just, I know um, maybe I'm a bit, a bit old-fashioned, but um, I just thought uh, he's trashed his legacy in the last six months significantly. I know he's had some absolute, uh, you know, um, earthquake in his personal life with a, the loss of a child. We can't underestimate the impact that would have on anyone. But I must admit, I, I wasn't happy with his, uh, with his demeanour through this World Cup at all. I want to talk about music, boys, because I know you guys have been lapping up the World Cup and the, the best of the football, but you have also been seeing the cream the cream of 1990s one-hit wonder bands, if you've, been, if you've been in the stadium. Chesney Hawks, Republica, Top Loader before England. I mean, this is the creme de la creme, isn't it? I mean, uh, how, how, did those, how did those performances go down? Did you see any of them? Having been in the grandstand for some of those performances, Derek, can I just tell you the audio has been completely shithouse. So <laughs> I can tell you there was a couple of times the halftime entertainment of the Australian games were like, what on earth is going on here? Because it was just horrendous. Um, and uh, uh, look, the beautiful stadiums, but uh, they've got to get the audio sorted out for some of those entertainment acts. But uh, having said that, Robbie Williams appeared at the Doha Golf Club. We got down there and had a bit of a look at that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been, yeah, um, some of those uh, performances at the uh, at the stadium have been a bit uh, a bit shoddy, a bit shithouse, as they say in the classics. And, and, no reflection on the artists, uh, more reflection on the technical <laughs> capability of the uh, teams. Uh, oh, I don't know. I think the booking agent in Qatar, it's as if they found a CD from my mum's car in the 1990s and just started <laughs> running down, running their fingers down the list with glee. So, no, you're right, Well, and The Guardian have been having a lot of <clears throat> fun with that uh, music. But I, as people that witnessed it, I just wanted to get the lowdown on that and just from what i've got on my list boys just the, the very simple one predictions we've been whistling this down and we've now got uh two games to go obviously with the uh with the semis uh edge and i were um in our kind of internal predictions we got one right uh over the weekend with uh us rightly calling france beating england but i think we both dismissed morocco and thought that uh uh, Portugal would get the uh, the job done, but uh, Edge, I'll, I'll go to you first, just for Croatia, Ar- Argentina, first of all. Well, I mean, <clears throat> Dominic Lavakovic is uh, he's a he's a mountain of a man, and he's a mountain of a goalkeeper, and uh, his performance against uh, Brazil was spectacular. Yes, uh, Neymar did round him with possibly the goal of the tournament, but. Um, 
there is an incredible um, it's an incredible achievement he he's been undertaking uh, throughout this tournament, and he is the man that might just help Croatia get through 120 minutes in a, in a penalty shootout. Um, Argentina, for me, they haven't really hit their straps. You know, they haven't killed a game. Uh, they, they, they've been winning. I, I use the terms, they've squeezed past Australia, they've squeezed past the Netherlands. Uh, I think these games are uh, right up there. It'll be two contrasting styles. Argentina will play their dual tempo of uh, really quite slow build-up. And then, obviously, they flick the switch and uh, can be incredibly uh, chaotic and frenetic. Um at times, so look, it's a clash of styles. I'm really looking forward to the game, um, but for me, um, you know, there's a bit of a bit of a romantic side of me that says that Messi um, deserves to be up there with uh, Maradona, and uh, to do that, he needs to win a World Cup, and this is his great opportunity. Uh, well, is it going to be Messi in the final? For me, Derek, it's going to be Argentina one, Croatia one. Croatia throw on penalties, and Croatia will reach the final, having only beaten Canada in regular time. No, look, I'm all in on the Messi story. Um, I've found the Argentinian side as a as a whole not overly likable as we've gone on, um, but no, I, I think Messi thoroughly deserves to uh, to hold the trophy aloft and be in that uh, in that in that pantheon of legends. And as for the other one, Derek, I think uh, the Morocco story comes to an end here, but that's okay because they'll play in a third place playoff and. You know, if you're a, if you're a side that reaches the third place playoff like Brazil in 2014, where you've been done seven one, it's the last thing you want to do. But if you're Morocco and you get this far and you can go down honourably in the uh, in the semi final, it's a celebration, and that's exactly what you uh, what you want to be. So I think it'll be France by a couple of goals. Derek, can I just quickly ask you about Antoine Griezmann, a uh, a player who came into the tournament having not played a lot, uh, nominally a front three player through his whole career. He's 31, so he's you know he's he's achieved a hell of a lot. Um, for him to Drop the ego. Um, obviously, Mbappe and Benzema, who's not there, but those he was there, sort of right up to the to the lead up for him to drop the ego, uh, roll out of that front three and move into a midfield without Pogba and Kante, pick up a new role and dominate. Basically, uh, I think he's been. Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he should be commended. I think he's he's been fa- fantastic. And there's some people tossing up his name for the for the golden ball. Should France be able to get it done from here? Yeah, I didn't think he had it in him. To be honest with you, Willem. Um... I, uh, you know, I yeah, look, we kind of took the piss out of him a few months ago, I think, when we were pointing out just how I think Atletico Madrid were using him for 60 minutes only so they could uh, avoid playing, paying Barcelona the extra money. Um, and yeah, his time in Barca didn't go well either. And there did seem to be a huge ego there. But you're right. Uh, for all the talk around Kylian Mbappe and, and what he does, like Griezmann, obviously, that that ball in for Giroud uh, for the winner, as it was for France, was was amazing. And uh, he's playing a completely different position. Like you know, you you go to the guy's Wikipedia page, and he's still listed as a forward or a striker. But he's been playing in midfield for for France and actually been putting a bit of a shift in in the middle of the park. Not just the kind of cutting edge stuff up front, but some of the some of the dirty work as well. So he he has been a standout player I, I generally didn't think he had the uh, you know the the ability to drop his ego as you uh, as you put it and yeah he's going to be an absolutely crucial player in that game and whether um Minan uh, edges transfer picks that Moroccan midfield can get hold of him I'll I'll give you the the final word on it edge uh, Morocco and France where is this one going to go 
Well, the, the head says France by a long way. We've got a few different predictions, guys. And when we're back for stoppage time next week, the, the World Cup will be over. Can you can you believe it? All of that that run through, all of the playoff drama for Australia. We followed it, uh, you know, through gritted teeth. And it's all going to be done and dusted. And we all start the post-mortem here on Stoppage Time this time next week. Um, thank you for tuning in and make sure you subscribe to Box to Box if you haven't already. Make sure you check out the main main show. Make sure you check out uh, Offside as well. Some brilliant uh, interviews there. But from another Stoppage Time, it's goodbye for now.